So good morning, church. There's no blame anywhere. Good morning, church. How are you today? Uh, Joan, I want to say thank you very much for preaching my sermon for me this morning. Um, <laughs> um, basically, the last time I preached was way back in June, I think. And straight after that, God gave me this message. And I just, every time I got booked on to, to preach, something came up and so someone else took on the preaching duties. So this has been burning in my heart for about four months now. So let's hope it's really, really tight <laughs> and really good. Um, but it's John chapter 10 and we've already read that this morning. <laughs> um, the this, this sermon I've titled it is The Promises of the Gate <laughs> with a capital G. The promises of the gate, and I have been ruminating on this for about, yeah, four months. Um, and then Joan got up this morning and shared. So, I don't really need to read John chapter 10. Joan's already read it for you. Twice. <laughs> However, I'm going to reread the couple of verses that I actually really wanted to speak from this morning. Um, and it's John chapter 10, and I'm going to read a one single line from verse 7. And then I'm going to read chapter 9 and 10, because these are the verses where, where Jesus is actually talking about himself as being the gate, so the gate to, to the sheep. And so let me read, it says, so Jesus went over it again, and he said, to, he said, I speak to you eternal truth, I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. Verse 10, a thief has only one thing in his mind. He wants to steal, he wants to slaughter, and he wants to destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you that this morning you are here with us. We want to thank you that this morning you are speaking to our hearts. We want to thank you that you have shown us your love, your care, your concern for us, and that once again you want to draw us back into your presence, draw us back into who you are to fulfill us. So Father God, we just pray this morning that you will challenge us, speak to us, grow us, and heal us, Lord, in your precious name. Amen. These three verses, or four verses, are actually four of my favourite verses in the whole Bible. And the reason why they're my favourite verses, there's a couple that are my favourite, but this is one lot, is because I believe the Christian journey is summed up in this one little passage. A little bit of background, don't want to rehash what Joan said, but a little bit of background. John 10 is in three separate sections. The first section was when Jesus was talking to the people around him and tried to explain to them by using sheep and shepherd what it means to actually engage with him. So that's what, what verses 1 to 7 was. Then they didn't get it and they said, no, we don't get it, explain it again. So then he tried a different tack and he tried to talk to them about what it means to be the gate and how the gate and what the gate brings and the life that results from that gate. And they still didn't get it. So then from verse 11 onwards, he actually went into very big detail, same imagery. He uses the sheep, the shepherd, the gate, the thief, the um the various thieves and the shepherd holder. He's trying to explain to the Pharisees exactly what it means to have a life with God. And so all I want to do is I want to come back to that middle section, the section where he is using the gate. And I want to talk about today four different promises from Jesus being the gate. So there is five, but I'm not going to cover the fifth. I'm just going to cover the fourth. And the first promise 
that God talked about was the promise of His presence. So the first promise, the gate is present. So we saw the sheep hold up on a lovely picture and you see the rocks were there built by the shepherds and there was a gap. And the gap was for the gate and the gate was always there because sheep had to go in and out. So Jesus is saying that the gate is my presence and I will always be with you. You see, it, it, it clicks or it is definitely opposite to what the thief is talking about. So the thief is there and it clearly states that the thief is there only to steal, to slaughter or kill and to destroy. So the thief is coming to take away. The gate is there to stop the taking away of the thief. Yeah? So what the thief is actually saying, and actually Jesus talked about multiple thieves. If we read it carefully, it's a plural thief. So Jesus is saying thieves come to steal, kill and destroy. Because he was using it as an analogy. He wasn't talking about um, the devil or the evil one, though we can link it back to that as we take it on. But he's actually talking about people, things and objects that come to take away from what has been built up, to steal away, to slaughter, to destroy what has actually been built. And what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, I promise that I will be present and I will block that thief. That's actually the first promise from this passage. How amazing is the fact that God is always going to be with us? How amazing is that? And if that's all the promise of this passage, wow, what an awesome passage. Because it means that God will always be by our side. From the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, he says, I will always be with you. When he got a, a group of people that followed him in Deuteronomy, he said, Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 for those taking notes, he said, the Lord your God goes with you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. How awesome is that? But he didn't just say it to the Old Testament group of people that followed him. John chapter 14. Now, Jesus said this in his final chat to the disciples before he went to the cross. John chapter 14, verse 18. And he said this, he said, I promise I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans in this world. John chapter 14, verse 18. And yet Jesus literally went to the garden and then went to be crucified. And yet he said those words as he left his followers. And he did, he came through on his promise. He sent another to be with him, to be with us, sorry. You see, we have this assurance from this promise of his presence that we, that you will never be alone, ever. You will never be alone. When you are sitting in your car driving by yourself, you know what? You are actually not alone. Because God has said, I will always be with you. When you are in bed and you're restless and you just can't sleep, yeah, not agitated, but you just got lots of energy, you know what? You're not alone. Because God says, I will always be with you. I've had a couple of those nights, Terry's laughing. <laughs> However, sometimes, sometimes, I know that I let my feelings or my tiredness or my busyness, sometimes I let those things tell me that I am alone. I let those things get in the way of the promise that says to me, you will never be alone. That assurance, I start losing it. I start dropping it. I start forgetting that Jesus said to me, you will never be alone. 
and that, you, that He will always be near. This morning, I just want to say to us, and I want us to take this away, if we take nothing away from, from what I share this morning, I just want to say to this, to you, church, God is here. Did you get that? God is here. You know, this morning, I know lots of things happened this morning. I was running, I didn't get here till the end of prayer, and I'm sure that the the people praying thought the preacher's not coming. Um, this morning, lots of stuff happened in this building. But you know what? God is here. God is here. And when God is here, things can happen. You see, when God is here, changes will come. When God is here, things won't be stolen away. Things won't be destroyed. Things won't be killed because God is here. Church, this morning, we actually need to believe that to the depth of exactly what it means. God is here. So when relationships are hard, we can say to God, I need help. And God will be right there. You know, when we have health issues, we just have to say, God, I need help. And God can bring healing because God is here. You know, when we have financial burdens, we just have to say, God, I need some help. God will be there because God is here. When we can't seem to sort out that thing at work, when we have those pressures, when we have those struggles, when we have the busyness, and I just recently took a holiday and God spoke very strongly to me about this. And He said, I am there. Why are you worrying? I am there. Just come and speak to me because I am here. As we read further, Jesus says, I am the gateway. I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. You see, it brings us into another promise. And that the second promise is the promise of intimacy. And the reason why I think this one is more important, and he used it here as an example when he talked about the sheep, because not only is he here, not only is he in this room, but God wants to get intimate with you and me and us and we. You see, God says to us that He thinks about us every minute of every day. I've got it right this week. Every minute of every day, God thinks about us. It says that God holds us in the palm of His hands. It says that God, before we were even born, knew exactly what we would look like, knew exactly what our health issues were, knew exactly how we would be built, and He still created and said, I love that. Because the promise of intimacy brings an assurance that you will always be loved. And it doesn't matter what you do, what I do, how we go, how we speak, because God says, I come from the place of love. I don't come from the place of challenge. I don't come from the place of change. I don't want to just have intimacy with you so I can make you into a different person. That's actually not what God is saying. God's promise of intimacy is so that He can say, I just want to love you. I just want to love you. And so when we have those daily things that come, we all know what those daily issues are. We've all got different ones. Whether it's our relationships, our friends, sometimes it's our family. Whether it's our family, our health, 
our, our finances, our workplace, the things that we eat, the things that we shouldn't eat, our exercise, do we drink milk, do we not drink milk? You, you know all the messages that come from the media. You know what? God is saying, I want to love you in all of that. I want to be with you and I want to talk one-to-one with you through all of those things. You see, when God says, I am here, and we say, thank you, God, and I want to be part of your family, and please be with me for the rest of my life, God doesn't say, okay, no worries, and then sit in our lounge room and wait for us to come to Him. That's actually not the God that we serve. The God that we serve sometimes is a little challenging. Sometimes God says, you know what? think you need to look at this or I think you need to do this because when God wants intimacy with us he doesn't want a back seat he wants control but not control from the sense of change but control because he loves us so dearly he wants the best for us he wants our control so what that means is is God doesn't just want to meet us here on a Sunday when we come to church and God doesn't just want to meet us when we pick up the Bible and read it Or God doesn't just want to meet us when we go to the church meetings. That would be a very low intimate relationship if that was the case. You see, what God wants to do is He wants to meet you while you are cooking dinner. He wants to meet you in your kitchen. He wants to meet you in your lounge when you've got friends over and you're having that that social entertainment activity and you're engaging with them. He wants to meet you in your workplace. We have a story that we can take wherever we go. And He wants to meet you in that story and be a part of that story. He wants to be a part of that journey. He wants to meet you when you are gardening in the hot summer sun here in Australia. When you are chopping your hedge down so that it can grow up over spring and summer, He wants to spend time with you in that process. He wants to spend time with you when you're at school. He wants to spend time with you when you're playing sport. He wants to spend time with you when you're listening to music. Every single part of our life... God wants to spend time with us. That's what it means when He says, I want to be intimate. I want to be intimate with you. You see, it is from that place of love and grace and mercy and deep, deep, deep desire of God to spend time with you that God wants to enjoy what you and I enjoy with us. Sometimes I get the impression that we think that Christianity is us subjugating what we want to what God wants. Because this passage here says that what God wants is what He has placed already in our hearts and our minds. And as we work out what's in our hearts and minds, that's actually what makes God enjoy spending time with us. He loves us intimately and He wants part of that. You see, when God wants intimacy, He doesn't just sit back and look for the good stuff in your life and want to spend time in the good. Jesus is the God that wants to roll up His sleeves and dig down into the muck and the hard stuff with you, with me, with all of us. That is what Jesus means or God means when He says intimacy. You see, He doesn't pick and choose when He spends time with us. He can't because His promise is, I will always, I will always be with you. I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will never walk away from you. So with me always being with you, 
I don't just want to be standing beside you. I want to be intimate. I want to be engaged. I want to be a part of this in everything we do, the good stuff, the bad stuff. And you know, sometimes, sometimes God will draw us into that place of intimacy to carve us more and more into His image. Because His heart is what He has placed in our hearts when He created us. And so He's drawing us into more and more of who He is, of what He is, of where He is. And it's from that place of He just wants to love us, not from the place of change, not from the place of condemnation, not from the place of creating guilt, but from the place to say, I just want to love you no matter what you're going through, no matter what good stuff, what, ma- what mountains you're on, or valleys that you are walking through, I want to be with you. And as we do that, He leads us into His third promise. And this one's fairly clear because it says it quite specifically. See, the third promise that God gives in this passage is the promise of life. The promise of life. And as we become intimate with God, we experience His presence, we become intimate. As we start to see who God is and accept this promise of life, we see that He is actually the source of our life. We actually get that not just in our heads, but in our hearts. So God moves from this idea of He's with us and, and He loves us, but actually He is the source of everything of who we are. He is the source of the life that we are going to move into. And it's not just the physical life. It's not just um, the breath. It's not just the life. It's also the spiritual life. It's our souls. So it's not just our health. It's not just our sight. It's not just um, our physical bodies. It's not just um, our relationships. But it's also our spiritual life, our connection with God, our communication with God. It's that life that there is an eternal future. So with this promise of life, there is also this assurance that there is a future, there is a hope, there is something that we can look forward to. You see, the soul of a Christ follower is made alive when they are in the presence of God. Did you get that? Our souls are made alive when we are in the presence of God. We come to church on a Sunday morning because we know God will be here. We don't know how, but we know that God will be here and we want our souls to be made alive. You see, God followers love to live and they live to love on others. We love to live in God and God creates love in us so that we can love on others. A God follower displays this amazingly authentic but raw, I guess, um, connection with God. It just leeches out of them. We know a God follower because you can see something in them. There's something happening in their life, or there's some way that they live their life, or there's some light in their eyes, or or there's some energy that just, we know that that's a God follower because it's God in them. It's their soul, it's their life source anchored in their God. So every day they are fueled by that connection and that intimacy and that communication with God because they have this unshakable belief. They have this amazing faith that God is always with them. 
If we just had that faith, God would move through us. You see, the promise of life that God gives is His intentional drawing of us, of humanity, back to relationship with Him, with their life source, with God. So it's drawing us back into the source of the person, the one who gave us life. That's what God means when He gives this promise of life, and I will give you life. The life talks about freedom. The life talks about a hope. The life talks about a future. And the reason why that God gives this is because life is God. Life isn't what we go and do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's not the activities. It's not the task. It's not just the relationship. Life is our connection with our Creator God because God is the life source of us. So when God promises life, He promises connection to Him. Let me explain it this way. Um, my wife loves candles. And every now and again, she puts candles on outside and lights them up. And we just have candlelight. We don't have any other lights on. And we get these moths. And they're drawn to the, to the light of the candle. They're drawn to what they can see. I, I don't know if it's the heat or if it's the light. But they're drawn to it. And then we have these geckos. And they come and sit on the table because they know it's a free meal. (laughs) But this is what God is saying when He gives us the promise of life. Life is about He is the light source. He is the heat source of who we are. And so He draws us. And a Christian person, a follower of God, feels, connects, wants, desires yearns for that connection with their life source, yeah? And so they go where they know that God is going to be. But I guess there's a fourth promise. And I want to touch on this one. The fourth promise is a promise of abundance. So it says, I'll give you life and I'll give you life abundantly. Now, I've shared about this a little bit in the past. The, the idea of abundance here is wave upon wave upon wave upon wave upon wave of blessing until there is overflow. And the, the idea that I gave was that it was like a beach. So as the one wave crashes in, there's always two, three, four, five waves behind it coming to crash in on top of the wave that should be receding. And so not do they just get one wave on the beach and then they get this big sand as the wave goes out. They get wave upon wave upon wave upon wave of crashing waves onto the beach and this is the idea of abundance here in this passage but if you think about it he talks about life abundantly and if we think that life the true source of our life is God what he's actually teaching about is a spiritual idea of life abundantly he's saying you will get wave upon wave upon wave upon wave of me of God, of God connection, of God communication, of God engagement, of God's love, of God's deep, deep, deep desire to just enjoy life with you. Wave upon wave upon wave upon wave of that. But another very clear distinction in this is the idea of abundance and how it's written isn't about the future. It's actually about now. It's now. It's today. It was yesterday. 
as well as the future. You see, the idea of these waves crashing is there might be a wave crashing on the beach today, but there's been waves that have already crashed on that beach because the sand is already wet. And there might be the fact that a wave just crashed now, but there's another wave right behind it ready to crash on. And not only is there another wave right behind it, but there's something kilometres away that is creating a wave for another wave to come and crash on that beach. See, this is the idea of abundance in this passage. So what it's saying to us is, is that God has always, always been with us before we were even born. And He was bringing blessing into our lives through our parents, through our grandparents, through the families, through the elders and the churches that those parents or grandparents went to. But not only that, is He is already planned out. God has already planned out those blessings that are coming into the future. So this idea of abundance is not just, I will have it when I get to heaven. Because the it, the life, is actually relationship with God. So you will have this relationship with God in the past through those who went before you, but also now, here, today, and also tomorrow. You see, the idea of abundance with God, it's not about receiving stuff. It's also about giving God away, giving the things that He gives into our lives away. It's not just about an experience of God. It's a mindset, or it's a trust, or it's an absolute faith that God is with us. It's more than just an experience of that. It's more than just about objects or tasks or um, ways that we can do things or processes. It is also about the relationship that God brings into our lives and the relationships from God that we can pass out. That is this idea of abundant living. You see, through God's promise of presence and His promise of intimacy, then His promise of life, He has assured us we will never be alone. Never, ever, ever will you be alone. He has assured us that we will always be loved, even if we don't believe that we are lovable. God has said, I will always love you because I crave intimacy with you from a place of love no matter what you do, no matter what you look like. And He has assured us that we will always have a current and an a ongoing future. As I've mulled over this for the last three months, I just am amazed at how God can promise this for each of us. It's not just for the special few. Like our God, who is our Creator God, who created this earth, who spoke and things came into being. That was our God, right? That same God stands and sits and walks beside you every day. That same God. You know, when you can understand that, you can see how amazing God can change your life. He can bring things into your life and you can... You can do amazing things through the power of your intimacy, your relationship with God, your connection with the life giver. You see, if we just took these, these promises, these four promises, we can say, I am safe, I am secure. And don't get me wrong, that, that, that is 
one of our deepest needs, yeah? We want to know we're safe. You know, the other day we left our front door unlocked. When we came home, we realized our front door was open. We'd been away for seven or eight hours. And you get this like, do you know what I mean? Like, and it was just our door was unlocked. Come on. But I didn't feel safe. And so I went through the whole house and checked every room. Bit anal, I know, but I didn't feel safe. One of the deepest needs of a human being is to feel safe and secure, yeah? But I also want to challenge you with this point. Yeah, most like hierarchy of needs. But I want to challenge you with this point. God created you. And God also created this deep, deep, deep desire to have abundant life. As human beings, we are creating the image of God, and God was not happy being by Himself. God was not happy with just creating this lovely, awesome world. God wanted more. He kept wanting more life, and He created that life. And He has put exactly the same desire in you and I. There's this desire that we don't just want to exist. Yes, we're safe and secure. Yes, we're happy in being safe and secure, but for most of us, in fact, for all of us, that's not enough. We want to do more than just exist. Yeah, I've got three yeses, some nods, maybe no, okay, it's just me. But I definitely know that God has put in us a desire to live bigger. Because you know what? Every time I speak to a Christian, that's what I hear. I have a desire for a, a plan. I have a desire for a different future. I have a desire for um, God's purpose to work itself out in me. I have a desire to seek God's plan and know where I want to go or where God wants me to go. I have this desire to do something, to be something, to love something. To You see, God gives that desire to us. It is a positive, healthy desire. Because... He created us in who He was, and that's His desire. And so in this passage where He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, it's those promises and that desire that if we don't grab hold of those promises, it's that desire that will be stolen. It's that desire that will be killed off. It's that desire to follow in the plan of who God is and what He has laid for us and who we are and how He has created us. It's that that will be slaughtered or destroyed. And that is what God is saying, I am your gate. I have promised you that I will be with you. I've promised you that I will love you deeply. I've promised you that I will give you life and I've promised you that I'll give you this life that is way more abundant than anything you can ever imagine. And I will stop the thief, the evil one, from coming and stealing that from you. That is the promise that God is giving us from this passage. You see, this life that we have, or this desire for life that we have, is more than just existing. It's more than just biding time till we go to heaven, yeah? Because God has says, I live on this earth in and through you and I. And so when I live on this earth, I want my kingdom. And what he means is us. We're part of God's kingdom. So my kingdom, my people to rise up. And when we rise up, I want to draw more people into my kingdom, my church, 
Why? Because he loves them so deeply that he wants to be part of their lives and them to be part of his life. That's the why. And he has placed that desire in our hearts. And he's placed a desire to want a life of abundance. He's placed a desire for us to want a life that is overflowing. So not just contained, but overflowing. He's placed within us a life that we want that is deep. Deep. Connection. Relationship. He's placed with us within us a desire to have a life that has meaning. You know, there's some psychologists that I work with and they tell me that roughly around about 50 years of age, you go through this, this stage of affirmation, they call it. That's their model. But what it means is, is that when we turn 50, we're all looking for what lo- purpose or, or meaning has our life had. That's actually what they tell us. If the world has that because they are created in the image of God, Christ followers have an even deeper desire for that purpose and meaning, yeah? Because we are connected to a life source and that is what that life source is. God is saying, there is more to this. There is more to this life on earth than just biding time and waiting for me to return and take you to heaven. You see, we want a life that is joyful. We want a life where we thrive. We want a life where we bring change. We want a life that has purpose. We want a life that brings meaning to us, but to everyone around us. We want a life where we, th- where we thrive. And we were created for that life. And these verses here tell us that we were created for that life. You see, the life that you and I long for is here and now. It is not in the future. It is not in the past. It is not something that we have to wait till we get to heaven to experience. The life that we yearn for is waiting inside of you where God is living. It's in that inner recess of your soul. You see, we don't need to go and find this life. And that's the beautiful thing of this passage. Jesus is the gate. He brought the sheep into that life. We're already there. We just need to unleash that life because it's in each one of us. God has placed a plan and a purpose on every single one of our lives. And we just have to say, God, let's do it. Let's make this happen. Let's move through me. You see, the abundant life is a journey that discovers the power of an untamed faith. I know that's a, that's a very challenging phrase. The abundant life is a journey that discovers the power of an untamed faith. You see, sometimes we let our faith or our trust in God be blocked by what's happening around us. But what God is saying this morning and through this passage is, don't let everything around you stop what God is doing and working on inside of you. It's God's communion, God's connection, God's conversation in here that is way more important than everything that's happening out here. Do you get what I'm saying? Church this thank you. Church this morning I've I've felt so challenged by what God has said to me in the last 4 months that I want us to grab hold with a grip that is like a vice of these four promises, right? So much has happened in 16 weeks, yeah? 
oh my goodness, so much has happened in 16 weeks. And when God gave me this message, and I, was supposed to, I thought I was preaching it in July, um, I couldn't see why I wasn't preaching in July, because it seemed perfect to preach it in July. But you know what? I actually think this is perfect to preach in November, because of the last 16 weeks, yeah? So I want us to grab these promises. This, uh, these are promises that God has said will never change. He is here. God is here. Not only is God here, but He wants a deep, 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 deep relationship with you. Every minute of every day, not only is He, is he here, but He wants to walk with you and help you and support you. He wants that relationship. And He wants to tell you that in Him you have life. And not only in Him do you have life, but you have abundant life. Yesterday, today and tomorrow it's not going to happen tomorrow just it's already happened yesterday it's not going to happen just today because it already happened yesterday and it's going to happen again tomorrow god is going to abundantly bless us and so this morning i have asked the band for us to sing again the second song there is a cloud because the song talks to these four promises the song actually says, Jesus is here, God is coming, and we are going to move on the promises of God. And these are the promises of God. This morning, as we, we are going to stand shortly, but as we stand and sing, if you want prayer, look around you. There's a whole family of churchgoers that want to pray with you. Why? Because God loves us. And when God loves us, He wants us to love each other. It creates this deep desire in us to love the person sitting beside us. People that I don't even know, I'd love to pray for. Because I know that God is inside them. But not only that, God has said to me, I want you to love my world. This is my creation. And then I've journeyed with so many of you for four or five years. I love this church. I love the people in this church. So if you want prayer, if you want to just praise God, if you see people coming up the front for prayer, don't sit in your seat and think, you know what, someone else will pray for them. Because God has made you our family. You are part of us. And when we see people that want prayer, that have needs, that just want help and support and know that they are not alone, it's up to us to stand beside them because we bring God with us, yeah? So this morning, we're going to close by standing and singing. And if you want prayer, just come forward and watch out for those that do want prayer.